Hello and thank you for taking a moment to listen to God's word today. Right now we are in the middle of the series called It's All About Money. So we hope that this sermon is a blessing to you and your family. This morning we are in the last sermon of the series It's All About Money. Maybe um if you have not been part of the series, you can go back to YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcast or whatever streaming services that you use. All our sermons are uploaded on Sunday afternoon, right after the service. So two hours after the service, everything is online. Can we give it up for our media team who does that so well, efficiently? That's wonderful. So you can always have access so I had preached about five sermons on this series it's all about money and today will be the last one um, the first week I spoke on I am blessed second week we talked about psychology of money third week we talked about set your house in order week four we talked about the genius of generosity and last week we looked at how to live a debt-free life and today, God has something very important. And this is the finale, the, the grand finale of this series. And God wants to speak to us, everybody, something very important. And I believe that, that God wants us to hear this because this is going to radically change your life. If you have missed anything before I said, but if you can just grasp at least this, your life will be shifted into what God wants us to be. You know, we all have a dream, right? We all know the, the voice of the, the person, I have a dream, right? It's always used in a lot of college events, correct? And, and we all have a dream. Sushant had a dream and he said, don't try. <laughs> Um, we all have a dream to become something. We all dream to be, you know, I always every day, every morning, I wake up with a dream that I become taller every day. Right? My wife is like, yes, my dream too. It's just not happening. Um, we all have serious dreams in our life that, that we want to achieve. Uh, after you're married, two people's dreams come together. Some of you, your dream is to get married. All the singles said. Only Jack is saying amen. Hey, come on. There's more singles in this room. Um, and when we try to fulfill our dreams, when we try to step into it, we always wonder how this dream will plan out to be. Or would, this, would God allow this to happen? And uh, in, in relationships, the relationship dynamics, it has a huge impact in how we put our dreams together. A lot of people choose friendships based on the dreams that they have for their future. Do you know this? If, if they are not in alignment with the dream that they have, then, then probably they don't hang out with them a lot. People usually pick people who would kind of like have similar dreams and similar, you know, uh, things that they're envisioning in their lives. And it's natural for us to do that. 
But this morning, I want you to focus on something very important. The most important thing that you need to understand this morning is that God has a dream. God has a dream. You might be sitting there and wondering, how, why would God have a dream? He's an all-knowing God. He doesn't have to dream things, right? He's all-powerful. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. In fact, he knows the end from the beginning. So there's nothing for him to dream about. But I'm telling you this morning, God has a dream. And the title of my sermon this morning is God's Dream for God's Money. We've been learning that everything that we own, everything that we earn, everything that is an increase in our life, whether it's physical money or any other resources, everything is God-owned and God-given. We are just managers. We have to release our ownership to Him, but faithfully steward it, faithfully manage it. But this morning I want to talk to you about God's dream for God's money. God has a dream. Here's a big picture of the Bible, right? The big picture of the Bible is God wants to build a family. He wants to build a relationship with his own children. He wants to build something more tangible, something more closer with his own children. Doesn't that sound like family to you? Yeah? God wants to build his family. Now, theologically speaking, like I said, God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything from us for him to survive. If he needs something from us for him to survive, then he's not God. Are you all with me? So God is self-sufficient and doesn't need anything outside of himself to exist. That is a very important thing for us to understand. But even though he doesn't need anything, he wants something from us which is love, relationship. And he wants to build God's family. He cannot force us to love him back, even though he could. But it is against his own word and principle because he has given us the free will. That is the choice. That's why in the Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. He doesn't barge in into your heart. He doesn't barge into your life. He patiently waits for you to let him into his life. He patiently waits for you to let him into your finances. He waits for you to let him into your marriage, into your relationships, into your education, into everything that, that you are into. God is also into it, but only if you let him in. So he wants to build that. It says for, in John 3.16, that's why it says, For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but they will have everlasting life. I want to take you a little deeper and show you God's dream being fulfilled. God's dream is actually going to be fulfilled and it's already written how it's going to be fulfilled in the last chapters of the Bible. Let's go to Revelation chapter 21 verse 1 to 11. The verses will come on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can go 
to Revelations 21 verse 1 to 11. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. Now this is God's dream. He wants to dwell with us. That's the exciting part. You know, it's like children, when you're children, right? You know, when you know that your uncles and auntie are coming from another city to come to visit you and stay with you for a couple of days and you start planning all the games that you're going to play and, and everything that you're going to do and, and you know that your parents are going to cook a better meal and better food uh, as long as they're there and, and you're going to have a good time, right? So when your relatives come, you're like, oh Lord, thank you. Right? It's going to be a good time. You love dwelling together. And if they stayed over time, then you start praying differently. <laughs> Lord, I release them into your mighty hands. You're the mighty God. <laughs> Why are they still here? <laughs> and verse 4 it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So this is heaven for you. There will be no tears. There will be no sorrow. There will be no pain. Uh, there will be no crying, you know. There will be, you will not be hungry. That's the one part that I'm little... It will be nice if there's heavenly food that we could enjoy. And all the former things will be passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. This is God's dream. He wants to make all things new. And he said to me, write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life to freely to him who thirst. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. Now this is the depth of God's heart. Everybody listen to me carefully. Everybody listen to me carefully. God's deep heart and dream that every day he wakes up to and he every day looks to you to say like, can we dwell together today, my son? Can we dwell together today, my daughter? I am yours and you are mine. That's the only thing that is running in his mind all the time. While you and I are worrying about all sorts of things every day. But the only thing that is running in God's mind is like, can you be mine today? Can I be, my, can I be yours today? And that's, that's God's heart. And verse 8 it says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual, sexually immoral, sorcerers, uh, idolaters, and all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And God is talking about the ones who ignore him, basically. Anybody who doesn't want the heart of God and who follows sin will fall into the lake of fire. 
And verse 9, it says, Then the one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Verse 10 and 11 is the body of Christ. Verse 10 and 11 is the church. Verse 10 and 11 is talking about you. You can even go, go ahead and say, you know, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me King City Church. Will we look, can they look at us and say, oh, I see the glory of God. King City Church is like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone. It's clear as crystal. I wonder if, if, a, if a movie producer, I don't know, if he filmed Revelation 21, verse 1 to 11, are you getting ideas? Like, you know, I don't know how it would look. It's a beautiful, and, and, John, and he, John, he's in a vision seeing this, and God is revealing his dream to him. And he's writing all these things down. And this is the happy ending of the Bible. This is the ending that God has for our lives so don't ever say i don't know my future no you know your future it's there your future in god is written right here this is what god wants for our lives now go with me to mark chapter 14 verse 3 to 11 and i want to show you why god's dream is so important mark chapter 14 verse 3 says but being in bethany at the house of simon the leper as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. She broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fra fra fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her very sharply. They sound very righteous, right? Yeah? It sounds like, oh yeah, it's a good concern. Why is this oil being wasted? But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has gone, she's done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could do. She has come beforehand to anoint my body to burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Wow! Do you understand what's happening here? Wherever the gospel shall be preached, Jesus is saying her name will also be there as a memorial to her. Basically, she got an endorsement, a lifetime endorsement from Jesus. Like, it's like when you do research papers, you put a footnote. Like, it, every time you have gospels, like she will be spoken. 
At verse 10 it says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Now stay with me in this story. Stay with me in this story. Look at this story. Jesus is in Bethany. Do you know that Bethany, the meaning of, the, of that place, Bethany, is called the house of misery? Did you know that? It's called the house of misery, house of depression, house of sadness. It kind of shows or, or represents pain. Now, Jesus is at the house of Simon the leper. Now, in that society, during Jesus' time, lepers are not included in the society. They are the untouchables. Nobody would even go near a leper. But Jesus is in the house of a leper. So the society would say, Oh, yuck. That's, that's not right. That's not right. It was horrible. It was an incurable disease. And no one wanted to be around a leper. Now another thing I need you to notice is that this woman, she came and poured a perfume on Jesus' head. Now this spike nut, it's like a flower and, and, and that perfume is a very expensive perfume. It's almost one year's salary. Very expensive. Alright? I want you to take notice of this. It's an entire year worth of wages, salary. That's the expense of this perfume. And another person complains saying that, why would you waste your perfume like this? In other words, why would you waste your resource? Why would you just throw it all away at once on Jesus? Why would you waste your money? And Jesus explains to her saying that what she did is not a waste because what she did is that she anointed me for a mission that is in front of me. And after seeing this, Judas gets up and goes to betray Jesus. A lot of things are happening in this passage which doesn't make sense, right? He's in a leper's house. That's wrong. A woman comes and pours her entire year's salary, right? That's the worth of the perfume. And she comes and pours that on the head of Jesus. And then there are people unhappy about the whole situation. They're unhappy in the first place that Jesus is with the leper. And all of a sudden, a random woman comes and pours, you know, uh, the perfume on the head of Jesus and she wastes the whole thing. And then Judas goes to betray Jesus. So we're going to ask three important questions. Three important questions from this passage. Whenever you read God's word, ask questions to yourself. It helps for us to understand, to go deeper. The number one question, I don't know if it came to your mind. The number one question is, that's not number one. The number one question is, why was Jesus in such a bad place talking to a leper? Why was Jesus in a place with a leper? Why did, he, why did he spend time with him? You know, the Bible clearly says 
He sat at the table. It's one thing to walk into somebody's house, hey Victor, everything okay? Okay, great. And then you walk off, right? That's one thing. But it's another thing when you go and sit at their table. You don't go into random people's house and like, you know, knock somebody's house and say, ah, today I have come to sit at your table. Come and pour the perfume on me. Serve me a great food. They will unleash the dog on you. <laughs> then you'll be singing, oh, let the dogs out. It's weird. We wouldn't do it in our culture. Why would Jesus go into a leper's house and sit at his table? I mean, if a leper comes to the road, people will take the next street. It's like when you're driving with no license and you see the police. Yeah? That's like leprosy reaction. Right? And you're like, oh, take diversion. When they see a leper, they take diversion. If he's in one road, they won't even step into that road. They'll take the next road or two roads aside. Leprosy is seen as curse. Leprosy is seen as an uncurable disease. And in the society, they are certified unclean. That's why when Jesus cleansed the lepers, they said, go and show yourself to the priest and tell them that you are now clean. So the priest can endorse them saying that they are not lepers anymore and they can be added back into the society and go to Reliance Mart and buy whatever they want to buy or get a ration card or other card or whatever that they had at that time, that they can be included back. But now you see Jesus is doing something very powerful. There are three things that are happening in this story and we need to understand that all three are super powerful. You know why Jesus was sitting at the table of a leper? What was the name of the leper? What's the name of the leper? It's there in the verse. Simon. And it says he's in Bethany and Simon the leper you know why Simon's house was open to Jesus? Do you know why Jesus was sitting at the table of Simon? Because Simon was part of God's dream. Simon is part of God's dream. Even though the society rejected him, even though the Jewish religion and the priests have certified untouchable but in God's dream Simon is important Simon is part of God's dream and that is why he sat at the table of Simon and 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 what is happening is that Simon is having a, a time where he's like nobody would ever come to speak to man and here is a man the healer the Jesus sitting at my table and probably Simon is like Oh my gosh, this is the greatest moment of my life. If there was Instagram at that time, Simon would have had stories filled with Jesus. Jesus lifting the cup. Jesus turned to the left. Jesus waved his hair. Jesus did this to his beard. 
every single story he would have put of Jesus being with him because why? Simon felt valued. This morning, I want every single person to know here that whatever mess of a leprosy your life is in, and I want to say this again, whatever mess of a situation that you are in, whatever pain that you are going through, whatever worst things that has happened in your past, there is no space or no sin or no mess where Jesus cannot come and put a table and sit there in the middle of your situation. He loves you so much because you are part of his dream. I am part of his dream. Our broken lives are part of his dream. Our broken past is part of his dream. I don't know what you are going through. I don't know where you are at in your life. And I don't know how broken you are on the inside. And and probably on the outside you are putting up a smile. You are showing that things are going fine. But there is a table in the middle of your mess. And there is a God who is sitting at that table. And he is saying, my son, my daughter, you are part of my dream. Even in the middle of your sin, he comes to say, because I loved you so much, I came from heaven to die on the cross for you. That's his dream. That's his dream. And you and I, We are part of his dream. So you need to understand there is nothing that you could ever do in your life that can remove God out of the equation. You understand me? There is nothing you cannot mess up so hard in your life that God will say, oh, I give up, man. I've never seen a sin like yours. I'm going to walk out of your table. God can or would never say that because he has put a table. He is seated. It doesn't say Simon, the leper was healed before Jesus walked in. It doesn't say that. It says Simon the leper, Jesus was sat at his table while he was still unclean I don't know what your mess is I don't know what your pain is I don't know what is breaking you every day I don't know what is keeping you awake at night I don't know what is keeping you with no sleep I don't know what your fears are but I have good news for you God knows it all and he has put a table And he is seated in the middle of your mess. You know why? You know why? Because you are part of his future. You and I, we are part of his dream. If this this doesn't excite you, nothing can excite you. Nothing can excite you. I mean, you and I, we are part of God's dream and future so he does anything 
to save us, to love us, to protect us, and to cover us with his grace so that we continue to remain in his dream. And here is number two. This is the second question I asked myself. Why was the woman's gift of perfume so important that Jesus gave a command that she should be memorialized wherever the gospel is preached? Now that is a big thing. That's a big honor for this woman. Why would she be memorialized and why this perfume is so important? Let me tell you why. Because it wasn't just a perfume. It was her heart. When she came and she broke that alabaster jar and she started pouring that oil on Jesus, she did not just offer an oil, she offered herself with a heart of worship. That's why it's powerful. That's why it's powerful. Even the poor cannot take the worship away from God. Even the poor cannot take the worship away from God Almighty. That's why we keep saying every time during our time of tithes and offering, we're saying it's another time of worship. We are worshiping God by bringing what God has blessed us with and we are offering it to God as an act of worship. What she gave is actually her entire dream. It was a one-year salary. It probably would have got her married. Probably it could have been her dowry, you know. Probably it could have got her her dream husband. Probably it would have got her her dream wedding. You know, women would dream of having a dream wedding. Men would never have such dreams. They would have dreams about programming. Or buying the latest phones and latest gadgets. They would dream about Nike shoes. Women usually dream about how I'm going to look at my wedding and how I'm going to walk in my gown and, 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 and the decorations and all these beautiful things. And, and guys are like, yeah, they, they don't even go there. <laughs> and, and what she gave to God was a dream. It was her savings. It was her everything. Something that she protected so close to herself. But what she did was so powerful. And this is the reason why she's honored. Because what she did is that she gave up her dream for God's dream. She gave up her dream, her savings, her most valuable thing and what she dreamt of, and she gave her dream for God's work. She anointed, because if you read this Bible, right after this, what Jesus is doing is that he goes to the Garden of, he has the Passover meal, then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, then he's handed over to the Romans, and then he goes to the cross. What is the heart of gospel? What is the message of gospel? Whenever we are speaking gospel, preaching gospel, what is the heart? We always say, Jesus died for you. He rose again on the third day. And he loves you. 
and his blood will wash away all your sins, right? That's, that's the ingredients of, uh, anybody heard gospel here? Like, you're looking at me like, oh, really? Nobody ever said that to me. Why are you looking at me all puzzled? Isn't that the gospel? Wait, pastor, I'll check, no. Um, Luke or uh, somebody told this. Okay, that's the gospel. And that's the event that is about to happen. And Jesus is saying that she anointed my body for burial. In other words, she anointed for Jesus to become the element, the centrality of the gospel. In other words, she anointed and released the gospel because she laid down her dream so that God's dream can be fulfilled. God's dream can be fulfilled. Mark chapter 8 verse 34 to 38. When he had called people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. But whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel, you will save it. That's the promise that God is giving. You see in verse 35, let's go to verse 35 on the screen. If you replace that word life with dream, you can understand this even better. For whoever desires to serve his dream will lose it. But whoever loses his dream for the sake of God and the gospel will save it. In other words, when you lay down your dream for the sake of God's dream, God will bless it and give it back to you. And when he blesses the dream that you have laid down for him, and when he gives it back to you, is that it's more powerful and more glorious than you could ever imagine for yourself. That's the power of laying down our dreams. The third question, why did this incident provoke Judas to betray Jesus? There is something so beautiful and powerful happening here, but in the midst of the same atmosphere, there is a man deciding to betray the Son of God. To betray the Son of God. You know why? In verse uh, Mark 14, verse 10 and 11, it talks about Judas, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And the reason is that Judas had a different dream. Judas had a dream for Jesus. He did not connect with Jesus' dream. He was dreaming for Jesus. Because Judas' intention was not about the gospel. His intention was money. Judas, you know, he was a warrior. And what he wanted, his intention was to slay down the Roman Empire. And Jesus kept saying, I am the king of the Jews. So he started following Jesus because he thought using Jesus, he can bring down the Roman Empire. Now here is Jesus saying all the time, I am not going to take over Rome. Calm down, Judas. And Judas is like, no, 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 I'm praying for you, Lord. I am praying for a change of heart in you, Lord. That you, I have a dream for you. You will be the king of the Jews. 
and you will slay down the Romans. And over and over again, Jesus is saying, I am not here for that kind of war. I am not going to be that kind of king. In other words, no earthly throne can hold the heavenly king. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Nothing can hold him here on earth. So he cannot be seated here. He has to be seated in the high places because the earthly thrones are his footstool. Are you with me? No matter how big and how great we build thrones here on earth, it's just a footstool for God. God say, oh, great golden throne, Saddam Hussein. President, the Oval Office, bring it in, nice cushion. It doesn't matter which country, which president, how great they are. It's all footstools for God. Because he is seated. You can only imagine what Indian footstool would be like. I don't even know if God uses it. All the earthly kingdoms and thrones... Or just a footstool for him. He's, he's God above. It can't hold him. So Judas did not like this idea. He's like, fine. You know what? I've been super patient with you. This is it. It's time to turn him in. And I need to take control of things. So Judas started imposing his own ideas and his own intentions. What happened with Judas was that greed blinded him. And greed blinded his dream. God's dream for his life. Don't let your own dream blind God's dream for you and for the world. Because when you let your own dream blind what God has for your life, then we are nothing but Judas. Trust me. Pastor, you've been calling names from last week. <laughs> you want to write a complaint? Anybody? I have an email address that you can write a complaint. You can send it to Jesus <laughs> at God.com. <laughs> it's the word of God. When we have when we allow our own dreams, our own possessions, worldly possessions, and we give that importance, and we don't surrender our dreams for God's greatest dream, that's why when we pray, Jesus said, may your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Which means that everything, my, everything in my pocket, everything I am, everything that I own, it all belongs to His kingdom and His glory so that all of me will serve Him. That's the kind of life that we need to live. And if we don't live that kind of life, then we are living a Judas lifestyle. When we put our dream above Jesus' dream and have our own intentions about what God has for our lives, then they, we are betraying Him even through worship. Wow. We are betraying Him, Jesus and Judas, 
They were together for a long time. Judas was also hanging out with Jesus and he was in the same realm like everybody else but his intention was completely different. So my question for everybody here at my heart for King City Church, everybody watching us online, everybody here this morning, and those who are going to watch this later online or listen to it, please hear me out. Check your heart. Do you have a surrendered dream? I want to bring this sermon to a close. I had a dream. My dream was, when I was young, that I dreamt, this is really funny, I dreamt of not becoming a pastor. He's clapping because he probably dreamt the same too. I dreamt, I didn't, I didn't dream of what I'm going to become, I dreamt of dreaming like I was dreaming about what I shouldn't be I didn't want to be so don't have such dreams yeah you you see what's going on here (laughs) right (laughs) so don't you ever go I would never become that don't you ever say that whenever you say never that'll be your ever (laughs) forever (laughs) and 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 the reason is that I grew up in a Christian home, I grew up in a pastor's home and my, my family, you know, they serve God faithfully in every way possible, but I always felt that that is not for me. And the reason being that I thought that because I've seen my family live out in faith, whenever they say, oh, we live in faith, it means that it, for me, it translated, daddy is just saying in a nice way that we are poor. As a child, that's how I I took that. I did not understand faith. Daddy's just being nice and saying that we live, you know, he's saying it in the most honorable way that we are broke. Or we live a faith life. We don't know what's going to be the next day. I remember my dad sharing the story many times with me that when I, after I was born and and, um, dad had to bring mom and and me from, Kerala back to Trichy and he couldn't afford to buy buy a fan like a, just a normal ceiling fan right and and so we lived in this small house so every night he would plug all the holes like with with um, with um, you know cloth and and he would fill mommy and dad would fill um, the entire living room with water like this much so that the heat would come down so they will fill it with cold water so that the heat would come down and I would sleep at nights. So for me, looking back, that's like, that's, that's bad, Dad. That's, that's poor. Like, I don't want to call that faith life. Like, I don't want to be like that. So it affected me because I, was, I did not understand what faith was like. I, I understood that, that, you know, God had let my family down. So I started growing up you know, with, with this sense of, sense of anger in me. And this anger was uh, not a righteous anger because you see here in, this, in, in Mark chapter 14, when she came and broke that perfume, there were people who were saying, why are you wasting that money? Give to the poor. It sounds like a righteous anger. It sounds like a righteous anger. 
So all through my life, I thought that I had a, a righteous anger and said to myself that I will go and do something where I will earn a lot of money. And I will earn a lot of money and I will start supporting God. Because God is broke. Serious. God is broke. God needs my money. And only then, his church will be built. Only then, this ministry will carry on. So I made a decision in my life and I dreamt that I would become something great. I always wanted to become a pilot. I think most of us guys would think like pilot. You know, they'd be playing, you know, and then all of a sudden they see a flight. I'm like, oh, I'll become a pilot one day, right? Any, any other pilots in the room? See, many hands. Come on, honey. I'm sure you thought for one moment, right? And after you're married, you realize you are a pilot. Cruising through life with your co-pilot. And I dreamt of this and long story short, God broke that self-righteousness in me. God broke it in such a way that he showed that faith life is not that you call as poor and broke. Faith life is surrendering dreams. Then later in life, I came to know that there are many things financially that God had provided for my dad, but for the sake of the gospel, he had surrendered those dreams. So I was like, so you voluntarily became poor dad? Even though you had a job in PWD department, but yet you gave that up. So you voluntarily became poor. So I got even more, now I don't know who to be angry at. Right? Because as a young guy, I did not understand this. But don't you think like, God has a beautiful, beautiful way to work around our ignorance, to work around our innocence, to work around our messed up head. And, and he broke me free from such self-righteous lifestyle. And he said, Sam, I don't need you to become a pilot for the gospel to go. If you become a pilot, good for you. Because what you're doing is for you and not for me. Because that dream you have, as much as you say, Oh God, no, but I am going to give for the ministry. I am going to bless my parents. I'm going to bless people. I'm going to support a hundred pastors. I'm going to, I'm, I don't want anybody poor on this earth. I'm going to give out a lot. No, you won't, Sam. You won't. That's not your job. If you start doing that, then everybody will put their faith in you. Not in me. And you are not the all-sufficient, Sam. Is your name Yahweh? <laughs> it's not. The more and more I try to explore on this path of self-righteousness, God broke it, he broke it, he broke it. When I say he broke it, trust me, he broke it. He broke it. I've had major physical accidents, bike accidents. 
major crises that, that I have gone through in my life. And I still believe that God, we all live in this verge of becoming self-righteous. It's, 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 a, it's a deception in our head. We can easily, quickly think for one minute, or oh, because I did this, this is happening. And the moment you think that, you're praising yourself. You're not a worship. You are not a perfume to God. We are not a jar that is broken for him. So God broke this jar that is standing in front of you who said that I dream of not becoming a pastor. Now every day all I dream is about being a pastor. How can I be a better pastor every day? That's all I think about now. How did that happen? How did that happen? When I laid down my self-righteous, ego-boosted dream and said, God, I can never fund your dream, God. I could become the richest man in the world, but that will never be enough to fund God's dream. Because I cannot fulfill God's dream with, God, with, with my money. Because God has a dream for God's people and God has a dream for his money. He knows how to resource everything. And God simply said, Sam, if I can't have you, I can't have your money either. The band can join with me on stage and I believe that this is what God is saying to all of us this morning. If you want to give your resources to God, give your finances to God, and think for a minute that, that you are blessing the work of the Lord, please don't think that. Because nothing that we could ever give can be sufficient for what God is doing. Let me tell you something. God has already funded his dream. He has already paid for it. And he paid for it with his own blood on the cross. You cannot put a price on that. You cannot put a price on that. Show me one person in this earth who can redeem you from your sins. Show me one person. Show me one person here on this earth who can redeem you from your past, secure your present, and take you into a future with 100% guarantee. Get one person to sign here on this earth to say your sins are forgiven. Get me one person. I will resign my job. I will leave Christianity. There's nobody. <laughs> There's nobody. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So what God is saying to us is, can you surrender your dream? Can you surrender your dream for my dream? As in not me, God's dream. Can you surrender your dream so that your dream will also be part of God's dream? And when we put it all together, it comes back to us in the most valuable way ever. It's real. I surrendered my dream and God 
has blessed me beyond no pilot could enjoy what i am enjoying prithvi and i know i say this with confidence i know because we have two pastors here who has walked with the lord i mean their their pastoral ministry experience is my entire age talk to them they'll tell you what a faith life is like a faith life is a surrendered dream for god's dream so the question that god has for you is what dream that you are holding so close to you that you are protecting and god is saying that's your alabaster jar that's your spike nut that's your perfume can you pour it on the head of jesus and as you pour it you are anointing the work of the lord and as you anoint the mission and the work and the dream of the lord it flows from his head back to you because what this woman did was that she came she poured the perfume on the head of jesus and as the perfume flowed she was at the feet of jesus her dream was a normal dream but she poured it and she received it back at the feet of jesus so when she poured it it was a normal dream but when she received it back at the feet of jesus it was an anointed dream how many of you want to carry anointed dreams in your life today's an anointing service how many of you want your bank accounts to be anointed trust me surrender it because if that you think that is going to fund your dream that can't fund your dream because now we are part of god's dream sba has does, does not have enough money to fund god's dream rba doesn't have they don't even have enough to give you let alone give to god So what we are going to do is that we are going to give ourselves and our dream to God so that we can part of be part of his history so when our dream becomes part of his dream then you open an account in heaven's bank Okay nobody's excited You will open an account in heaven's bank Nobody's excited here also let's try this side You will open an account in the reserve bank of heaven. Okay. Let I I'll stand here then. Take care, have a great Sunday. Um no, just kidding. Because you are registering yourself, connecting yourself, everything that you do with God. When you and your dream and God's dream it comes together, it's beyond that you can ever imagine and that's why i believe that when we come together as a church from now on first week onwards i'm going to start a new series called mission possible i will become sam cruz <laughs> sam cruz will come and preach for you it's not mission impossible it's mission possible can you play the Dun, 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 dun. No. 
It'll become mission possible. The reason I'm saying that it's going to become mission possible is because we are going to build the house of the Lord together because our dreams and God's dream is going to become one. We hope that you are blessed by God's word today. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can do so at kingcitychurch.org forward slash give. And we will see you next week with another inspiring sermon.